2: What's up, everybody? It is Monday. If you're watching live West Coast time, Monday morning, uh, a lot to get to. Bunch of stuff I want to hit here. Overtime decisions, uh, Spagnolo and Purdy. How did those guys perform? How did Brock perform? And a few other things. Plus, my buddy Jeff Schwartz, who's an NFL offensive lineman, I sent him a clip last night, and uh, he broke down the third down and four where Chris Jones came unblocked. Um, If you want to see the full clip, uh, the NFL footage, the TV footage, you've probably seen the play. You can find it anywhere. But I've got it on my X page at Guy Haberman. And um, he's going to come explain on the show. I texted him this morning, and I said, hey, man, why don't you come on and uh, explain what happened? Was that Burford's fault? Was it Shanahan's fault? Did Purdy miss a protection? What happened? So, because uh, I've seen a lot of theories about it, you know, IU comes open, Jennings comes open, McCaffrey comes open. So we'll get an explanation, so we can all be right, or at least mostly right about it, uh, as we uh, as we launch out here. Robbie, I'm so tired of needing therapy in February. Somebody just sent me a clip of there, of uh, a friend's kid, who's <laughs> a Niner fan, in the Midwest. And the kid said, they're, they're losers. And I'm a loser. He was very tearful young, you know, young kid. And, um, you know, I, I said back to my friend, I, I half the messages I've received from adults are something like that. So, um, you know, we can, uh, we can work through all this, uh, all this together one foot in front of the other time moves on. I do think, uh, it's probably too early for this, but I'll say, it. I said it last night. It was probably too early for it, but I'll say it. Uh, You know, I do think this team is going to come back still very talented next year. Maybe there will be some changes. Some changes might be needed, but um, I do think by the time we get back to August, it's going to be a team that feels pretty good, but that's not right now. I get that. It's February 12th and a lot has to happen between now and then. So what are some of the stories going on this Monday morning as it relates to the Super Bowl? Well, you know, one of them was in the ringer. Lindsey Jones wrote, Did the 49ers' decision to receive in overtime cost them the Super Bowl? A lot of people, if you watch the YouTube live show on Sunday night, or maybe you've listened to that podcast, know that I felt like the defense was gassed. They'd just been on the play, on the field for 11 minutes at the end of regulation. Uh, It didn't sound like that's why Kyle took the ball to start the second half. And unfortunately for Kyle Shanahan, it played right into the hands of the Kansas city chiefs. The chiefs got exactly what they wanted. So was there sound logic to taking the football first? I felt that there was not necessarily the same logic as Shanahan had. Shanahan's logic was we want the ball third. Well, you know, as it turned out, not only were they, was there no third possession, there wasn't going to be a third possession in that, in that overtime, the chiefs are either going to score at the end of the first overtime or carry the ball further. We got a little bit robbed just as straight up sports fans. I know most of you here are Niner fans, not even as an, if you're a Niner fan, we just got straight up robbed as sports fans that we didn't get to a second overtime in the super bowl. Um, you know, as, as much as it stings, I can't help but recognize that we just watched. I think, I think an all time great super bowl, but, um, that's not what we're here to talk about right now. So, did the Niners' rec- uh, decision to receive an overtime cost them the Super Bowl? Let's get to some of what was written here. Um, so this is Shanahan. This is what Kyle said. He said, none of us have a ton of experience with it, but we went through the analytics and uh, talked to those guys, and we just decided we wanted the ball third. So the analytics team said to him, we want the ball third. Uh, that's the first part of this that I don't love, Right and I know the analytics always say, well, we, you know, you are playing Mahomes, uh, So you got to consider, you know, we consider all of these things, but if you're thinking about the third possession then I don't know that you're totally taking Andy Reed and Patrick Mahomes into account and the possibility that the Kansas city chiefs were going to go for two. Okay. That's what, that's what Chris Jones said. The chiefs, if the Niners had scored a touchdown first, the Chiefs were going to go for two. Now, it doesn't guarantee they would have won the game, right? If the Niners had scored and the Chiefs got that touchdown with a few seconds left in overtime, then they were going to go for two. Well, they just used their corndog play. That's what they called it. The the play call itself is longer, but corndog. They just used corndog, which is so much worse than getting beat by Wasp. They just used corndog to to score the touchdown, which won the Super Bowl. They would have gone for two in that spot, you might have stopped them, so you know it doesn't guarantee you were going to lose. But when you say none of us had a ton of experience with it, we talked to the analytics guys, and those guys, uh, we decided we wanted the ball third. I think that's not. It turns out now we know with hindsight that that mindset does not take into account that Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are going to try and win the Super Bowl there with a two point conversion. You don't know that ahead of time. You don't know that until afterwards. But I do think you have to consider what are those guys going to do, and. I think you don't give enough weight at least to that possibility when you think of it this way. So I don't like that. You know, when the logic was my logic, which was your defense was tired and you're taking a little bit of pressure off your quarterback, but you know, the counter that would be, well, Brock hasn't shown that the game pressure was a problem for him. The actual pressure that Steve Spagnuolo was bringing was a problem for him, but the game pressure was not a problem for him. Uh, Paragraph two here. The problem was that Shanahan was planning for a future that he he couldn't guarantee would exist. Quite a gamble considering Mahomes was on the other side. The fact that the Niners' defense looked exhausted after 11 plays on the Chiefs' final drive of regulation didn't factor into his decision to receive. Okay, so the thing that I thought on Sunday night was the logic to take the football first in overtime was not the logic. Had nothing to do with the defense being gassed. So now I like the decision less. Um, Kansas City safety Justin Reed told the Ring of the Chiefs first discussed the overtime rules, which had changed as far back as training camp. Chris Jones told me players were prepared for what to expect if the game went to OT. Quote, we talked through this for two weeks, how we were going to give the ball to the opponent. If they scored, we was going to go for two at the end of the game. We rehearsed it. You got out coached here, out prepared, right? Easy to say with hindsight. That's what we're sitting here doing, hours after the game. Not the heat of the moment, not the guy in the arena. But you made a decision. They made a decision. They had a plan. You had a plan. Their plan worked. At some point, and we're all pro. It's all process oriented, but it's also results based, black and white. You did what you wanted to do, and it was, in fact, what they wanted you to do. Now, you score first, you score a touchdown, they go for two and fail, you win the Super Bowl, doesn't matter. You still got to make plays or get stops. But the Chiefs were more prepared for that than the 49ers were. Multiple Niners players said after the game they were not aware of the overtime rules being different uh, in the playoffs than they are in the regular season. Eric Armstead said he learned the details of the postseason rule when it was shown on the Allegiant Stadium Jumbotron during a TV timeout after regulation. Juice said he assumed the Niners asked to receive when they won the toss because that's what you do in the regular season when a touchdown wins the game. I guess it's not the case. I don't really know the strategy, he said. Now, ultimately, how much does it really matter that the players know the strategy here? Well, I don't think it affected the game from the Niners' standpoint. right? I don't think the fact that the players didn't know exactly what the rules were affected how they played the game or their ability to perform. So you could say, well, it doesn't matter that much. Where it does matter is that Kansas city. And you talked to all these mental preparations coaches, right? You talked to all the players and all these guys do a lot of mental prep. Kansas city had visualized that moment. And I think that's important. I, I don't think it's as important that the Niners didn't know, though it is an indication that they were not as prepared as an organization, as a coaching staff as Kansas city was right. When you, when you find out the Kansas city players knew what the plan was, they knew what the situation could be and they knew what they were going to do in that situation. Maybe Kyle knew the whole time what he was going to do and just didn't think it mattered to the players, but Kansas city as a group had communicated better. You give your, you give your players a chance to visualize it better. You know, Bill Walsh, one thing Bill Walsh used to do, and he was the first guy to do this. Now everybody does it, Bill Walsh was the guy that invented scripting plays. And Bill Walsh, at first, when he first started scripting plays, would script the plays and just keep them to himself. And then as time went on, he realized, he found out, that it really helped the players relax if he gave them the script earlier in the week. And so what they would do was not only would he give the players the script, he'd give Randy Cross his center, he'd be banging on his door, Bill, I want the script. He would give them the script. Then in their last practice or their last walkthrough of the week, they would, pra- they would go through the script. They would practice it. I actually don't think it was a walkthrough. I think it was an actual practice. They would practice the plays. And Walsh thought that it had a couple of uh, values to the team. One, it took a little pressure off everybody because they understood exactly what they were going to do when the game started. Nobody was wondering what play is going to come next, what play was going to come next. And it, took, it just relieved some pressure on them. Two, it gave them greater purpose in practice. They practiced better because the plays they were practicing, they knew they were going to run in the game as opposed to just aimlessly practicing plays, not exactly sure what the value of it is. It mattered that he told them ahead of time what the value was. So Andy Reid, it never came to this two-point situation, but Andy Reid told his guys ahead of time what the value was. I do wonder if the play that they scored the touchdown on, um, if that was... I, Something tells me that was going to be their two-point play. Now, Andy didn't say that, but that's just my guess. If the Niners have scored a touchdown and the Chiefs had to score a touchdown to match, uh, they were first in goal in that situation. They were first in goal right there. I think if they have to score the touchdown to match and then either the extra point to tie or the two-point to win... I don't think they run that play on first down. Maybe they give it to Pacheco. Maybe they do another design run with Mahomes, even though I think he's getting spied by Warner on that first down. I think they try to score a few different ways, and then the play they scored the touchdown on was their two-point play. Now, if they run the touchdown on that play, and then they had to have another two-point play, I'd have felt worse about it, or I guess better about it for the 49ers. But the fact that they had that play cooked up if that had been their two point play, maybe we'd still be, you know, it wouldn't have mattered. Um, if they'd gone first, they don't go for two and, um, you know, you're in a better spot. So this is with hindsight, but you gotta, I don't think you can totally dismiss it as hindsight because the chiefs had the foresight. They had more foresight. Now, when you're the victor, you get to write the script, you know, and, um, Whatever that saying is, the the victor gets the right history and the Chiefs uh, Chiefs get the right history on that. So that's a, that's a heartbreaking result for the 49ers. And uh, as prepared as, as they are, and they are very prepared, they were out-prepared. They were out-prepared by Andy Reid. They were out-prepared by um, the three-time champs now. Ricardo Rico, no excuses, though, because Casey had a whole extra game to play and traveled for the playoffs. We dropped the ball, missed missed a shot. Um, Robbie says, McCole Hardman said he didn't know the overtime rules either, so I don't know. They might be gaslighting us here. I got to tell you, I'm still not exactly sure all the uses of gaslighting, how often it's uh, the word actually makes sense on the spot, but maybe it does. Like I said, the victor gets to write the story. So, uh, the next thing I want to talk about is Brock Purdy. Here's a few next gen stats. Um, Brock Purdy completed 12 of his 19 attempts against the Blitz for 131 yards and a touchdown while getting sacked once. The Chiefs' defense blitzed on 51% of their dropbacks, their fourth highest rate in the game, in a game under Steve Spagnolo. Uh, Kevin Stefanski was the NFL's coach of the year. Uh, If you could give it to assistants and voted after the regular season and the playoffs, Steve Spagnuolo might finish higher than most of the head coaches in that voting. Steve Spagnuolo versus Brock Purdy, hell of a matchup. The Chiefs defense generated a season-high nine unblocked pressures in the Super Bowl, all of which came on blitzes. Now, we know we talked about it coming into the game that Brock Purdy was very good against the blitz. But my god, the Chiefs blitz gets home so fast. One thing Brandon Allen, if you heard the conversation I had with 49ers third string quarterback Brandon Allen last week, I asked him what stands out about Spagnuolo's defense. He said they don't make mistakes, man. They don't make mistakes. What what did the Niners made mistakes in the blitz uh we th- we think uh, on one particular blitz and they just didn't get home in the way that that Kansas City's pressure uh, seem to get home. But I think the experience for Brock Purdy is, a, is such a valuable one. Steve Spagnolo set the record last night. His fourth Super Bowl championship, Steve Spagnolo has now won more Super Bowls than any other defensive coordinator. It's his third with the Kansas City Chiefs, and he won the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 42 in, um, in 2008 as the defensive coordinator for that miracle New York Giants team that beat the Patriots. He started his career in 1981, Steve Spagnuolo. He weaved his way through college in the NFL, Europe, NFL Europe. Let me get that right. He finally got his full-time assistant job in the NFL for the first time in 1999, the same year Brock Purdy was born, with Andy Reid's Philadelphia Eagles on a staff that was really stacked with coaching talent, including defensive coordinator Jim Johnson and then defensive assistant, future D.C. and now Bills head coach, Sean McDermott. He was with the Philadelphia Eagles for seven years, and then he went to the Giants as the defensive coordinator, and that's where he met Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. In that Super Bowl, Tom Brady and the Pats scored two touchdowns, one in the second quarter, one in the fourth quarter. Those were the only points that the greatest quarterback of all time scored, against Steve Spagnuolo's defense. The Giants won the game 17 to 14 and Brock uh, and Tom Brady Tom Brady was 29 of 48 for 266 yards and one touchdown. That's 60% and a decimal 266 yards and one touchdown. Fast forward 24-year-old Brock Purdy 24 years after 25 years after Steve Spagnolo starts his NFL career, has very similar numbers to Tom Brady did in 2008. To Brady's 60%, Purdy was 60%. To Brady's 266 yards that day, Purdy was 255. To Brady's one passing touchdown, Purdy had one passing touchdown. After the game, Steve Spagnolo said this. The zones, I think their wideouts and their quarterback are so good at their timing routes, and Brock Purdy is really good. He knew when we were in certain things, and he found seams. So one of the best defensive coordinators of all time, Steve Spagnuolo, came out of the game and said we had to make a lot of adjustments during the game because, quote, Brock Purdy is really good. He knew when we were in certain things, and he found seams. Uh, here's more of this article from Albert Breer. This is the MMQB inside the Chiefs Super Bowl win uh, up on uh, Monday morning. The score stayed 10-3 to 3 because of how the defense was turning a quarter thanks to a couple of adjustments by Chiefs Wizard of a Defensive Coordinator Steve Spagnuolo. He implemented them right around halftime. It was necessary to make changes quite simply because Brock Purdy was better than Steve Spagnuolo may have anticipated coming in. In fact, Spagnuolo said that the pressure that the Chiefs ran on first down after the 49ers intercepted Patrick Mahomes to start the second half. So you remember, this was Jair Brown gets the pick at the 44-yard line. The 49ers take over. Leo Chennault comes on a blitz that forces Purdy to throw the ball away. Spagnuolo said they had not practiced that. But he believed enough in his guys that they would be able to execute it, and they did. So he came cooking things up. Hell of a job by him and a hell of a job. Go back to what I just said Brandon Allen said. Those guys don't make mistakes. They're very smart. They know how to handle situations. He was cooking things up on the fly, and his guys were executing it because of the challenges that Brock Purdy was giving him. You know, I don't know if you're looking for positives right now, less than 24 hours after losing the Super Bowl, but I'd say that's a pretty significant positive if you're thinking about Brock Purdy and what comes next. You know, how does Brock Purdy get better? Well, first of all, he's got an off season as a starting quarterback for the first time in his career. Going into his third year, he'll finally have an off season where he is the starting quarterback and he's healthy enough to try and evolve. I said on Sunday night, I, I think Kyle has to be open-minded to any feedback he gets from Brock about things that Brock might like, things that Brock might want to do that are different than just the traditional things in Kyle's offense. John was talking about it. His idea being you got to get Purdy on the move, get him out of the pocket a little bit in non-play action situations. But I'll talk about this with Jeff Schwartz. You know, how much of the busted protection on third down and four in overtime for the 49ers when Chris Jones came unblocked, how much of that is the responsibility of the quarterback to make sure he gets right? This experience has to, has to be a great one for Brock. And for all of you who have suffered through many losses and for Kyle Shanahan, who's got just another scar to put next to his other scars, this is a new one for Brock Purdy. This is a new experience for him. He's not been in the Super Bowl before. I thought he handled himself really well. Steve Spagnolo thought he handled himself really well. And Steve Spagnolo threw everything at him. He threw the whole package at Brock Purdy, and then had to make more things on the fly. Steve Spagnuolo's like when you watch those cooking shows. I don't know about you, but I watch them. And be like, all right, mystery ingredient. Like, all right, what's the mystery ingredient? It's like foot of a falcon. Okay, uh, any other mystery ingredients? Uh yeah, the the lard of a buffalo. Okay, that seems probably a good. I don't know. It's probably a good ingredient. And then some vegetable from. Like the Azores that nobody's ever heard of. And then the chef, they're like 30 minutes on the clock, and the chef cooks up some dish that wins them, you know, the championship. That's Spagnolo. And you, every time I watch those shows, my wife, Alyssa, loves those shows. Every time I watch those shows, I'm like, how do these people do this? How do they come up with it? Well, they're the best. They're the experts. They're the geniuses. Spagnolo, I think he's a genius. He's probably. He's the most decorated defensive coordinator in the history of the NFL. The most decorated defensive coordinator in the history of the NFL. So I think all that bodes pretty well for uh, for Brock Purdy.
3: Butcherbox.com slash ham and another special deal. Free for a year. You get salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for a year, plus an additional 20 bucks off right now at butcherbox.com slash ham. Been telling you about it for years.
4: Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game time app, promo code HAM. Save yourself $20. We don't even need a thank you. Just hammer that promo code.
1: After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. With professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop
2: by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
4: Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.
5: What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket
2: All right, uh, time to get some answers now because uh, I think my buddy Jeff Schwartz is here and ready to go. What's up? Jeff, we were just talking about a few things, and Jeff's, Jeff's here to break down a particular play. Yes. Uh, Bear Bets, his podcast. Um, I know he just finished a, a stream on Twitter, and uh, he joined me in, in Vegas last year, last week. Before we get to uh, breaking down this play, Jeff, which you broke oh. down on. Uh, oh, I,
6: gotta, oh, I, gotta, I still got to send you the play. Here you go. I, I got it. I got you. it. Oh, you should sure? listen to it yeah. right now.
2: Okay. Um, before I get to that, I was just saying. Yeah. I, well, actually, let's get to that, and then you can okay. react to to what I was just talking about. So I posted this play on uh, Sunday night. This is the third down and four play. This is uh, um, overtime. There are two big third down and fours in the game. Uh, if the Niners convert just one of them, they probably win the Super Bowl. Yep. One came with two minutes left, and uh, Trent McDuffie comes on a blitz, and the Niners ultimately kick a field goal. And then one came here in overtime. Uh, so when I posted, I said, look, Chris Jones comes unblocked. Brandon Ayuk is wide open. Juwan Jennings is wide open. Helen McCaffrey's a little bit open. But uh, Brock Purdy didn't really have time to do anything. Um, Kyle Shanahan said immediately after the game that he thought it was a busted protection, but, uh, he'd have to check the tape. So what I have here for you, Jeff is, uh, yeah. the video that you posted. So it has some of your, yeah, it has some of you in it. So you want me to just hit play and, and you can tell everybody well, yeah, what, I mean, what you think sh- happened here?
6: I mean, I know, I know what happened here. So, you know, what, what they're trying to do here is they're taking that 64 right there, right? The center and they're bringing him out to the left. They're popping them out. Right. And so you see right here, that means the right, the Here's the thing. So what they're trying to get, what they're trying to do, I think, is they're actually trying to hit Kittle on this, is my guess, and they're trying to influence the linebackers to move with McCaffrey on that motion if it's zone coverage, and then hit Kittle behind it because if you watch at the very end, Kittle does release, but it, it's man coverage, right? So all this action doesn't doesn't help at all because in man coverage, obviously, you're just looking at the the guy you're guarding, not the quarterback, and so. You should ideally check out of this protection and say, "Hey, man, just go block the five big guys that we see here lined up, and let's let's play." But I don't think Purdy has the freedom in this offense to do that, and this play is very much like a run, a call, and a run it type of situation. So, sixty-five and seventy-one block down, sixty-four pops out, but that's a wasted action because you're not actually influencing defense at all, right? There's there's no influence; they're all, they're all man coverage, right? And then. The the left guard has the guy over the center, but on the front side of a play like this, if you're the right guard, you have the front side a gap. But there's only one guy in there, so really that's the left guard's guy, right? So I get what seventy four is thinking. I got to protect the inside a gap. If there were two guys there, he should do that, right? Right guy, but there's yeah. one, so he does. So he, he has a mental error. He should be blocking Chris Jones, sixty eight. You see here as he pass sets, his hand is out to protect Jones right there. They're going to sort of double Jones, and he's going to pop back out and take the guy Kittle's on. 20, it depends on the rules they have here, but 20 is probably just free. But Purdy should beat him by either hitting Kittle or hitting Jennings. Instead, of course, Chris Jones gets free, and it ruins the play. I just don't like, in on third and four at this point in the game, on almost every third down in, in the second half, the Chiefs brought pressure, right, Guy? Yeah. Like they, and, and so... You're calling this play to influence a a, a red zone cover four, which the Chiefs just aren't doing this in, in this game right now. They're bringing pressure, and they just didn't have an answer for this. And even the the other third down that we te- we we texted about earlier, like that, they had six guys to block six, and you messed it up. So there were some execution errors, I thought, and play calling errors in the key moments of this game.
2: Is this to you on Shanahan? Should Purdy have been fixing this at the line of scrimmage? What, how does this get? How do you prevent yeah. something like this happening?
6: so ideally you just don't call this protection right in the situation um and then purdy i guess can fix it but i i, I will not pretend to watch a, a ton of naira's films, studying whether or not purdy makes a bunch of checks i don't think he does guy right he's not coming along the script and changing a lot of protections they, they kind of just call it and run it um we got two jet we're going to the left we got three jet we're going right we got a base protection we're we're blocking the mic my dog, by the way, is about to just scream in here right now. He's right. He knows how to open the door. He's like right at the door. Um, it's and a German so, Shepherd. Very Ger- smart. Yeah, yeah, German Shepherd. Um, and so, you know, I you just shouldn't have called this. Like, Purdy's not a guy. Because here's the thing. If you change the protection, you're you know, you're obviously changing the, basically the base of the play, right? And I don't know if Purdy is able to do that quite yet. Um, you'd be basically checking to a, a, a new no, – you still have McCaffrey on the motion, obviously. But that's really – it, it t- makes a different play. And so I don't think Purdy is able to do that quite yet in this offense. I just wouldn't have called this protection right now.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and you got Burford because Feliciano got hurt. So you've got this two-year yeah. rotation at right guard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which which is crazy. And, um, you know, it just so happens that the guy that gets free is, is maybe the best defensive player in the NFL.
6: Yeah, Chris Jones, dude. I, I had Chris Jones over a quarter of a sack in this game. And he had like he was a twenty one percent win win rate and didn't get a sack. I was like wow. like you can't really have a better wager than that and not hit home. Um, yeah, look again, you know if you're if you're the the backup, it's not it's not the right tackles fault, man. So
2: uh, McKibbitts is catching a lot of flack for this. It's you're not, saying this is not I, on him.
6: I don't think it's on him. Um it, it, maybe you could say that they're supposed to block twenty. but I don't think they are. Uh, again, with Kittle there, it can it's like a five and a half man protection, right? some 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 will teach you. Those three guys have the three defenders, but you can also view it as empty protection, where the guy comes from depth. He's just on the quarterback. Um, but you know, when you go, this is the the point I think sometimes of like when I tell young players what's the one thing to learn it's it's the playbook, right? It's, and this is the exact this is the exact example because it's not about just learning the playbook, guy, right? It's about learning the ins and outs of every play, and you might be called upon at any time. And this is not a play. I, I promise you that seventy four has run in practice. It's not a play that they've seen versus this look. So you're just looking at your rules, right? And so you have to, as a right guard, you have to look, okay, I know I have that front side A gap, but the guard's going to block him. So I know the guard is coming down to block him. So I'm going to have Chris Jones. And like that's something that you have to just be able to diagnose in 15 seconds of the line of scrimmage because you know the, the ins and outs of that play. I'm not saying 74 doesn't know that, but he obviously made a mental error here because he just wasn't, you know, he wasn't ready for this play.
2: Uh, you know, one thing I was talking about just before you popped on was this this like Steve Spagnuolo versus Brock Purdy. That Spagnuolo, this guy came into the NFL as a full-time assistant the year Brock was born. He's now won four Super Bowls as a defensive coordinator, the most in NFL history by any defensive coordinator. He held Tom Brady uh, in 2008 to very similar numbers to those that Purdy had last night. Brady was yeah. 60% for 266 and a touchdown. Purdy was 60% for 255 and a touchdown. So after the game, um, he said basically that they drew up like the Leo Chanel pressure to start the second half after the interception that they had not practiced that, but he believed that, you know, if they drew it up, they had to make some adjustments because in his words, I'll just read you this quote. People watching or listening just heard me say this quote. Purdy is really good. He knew when we're in certain things and he found seams. So, I, what do you think of that? Like how much of that matchup was just going to be really tough for Purdy going up against Spagnuolo?
6: So not to rub salt in the wound here, um, Aaron Schatz, uh, DVOA, you know, FTM Bet said he has his DVOA match. He said the, the three best teams not win a Super Bowl were the 07 Patriots, the 23 Niners and the 19 Niners. And all oh three God. of those teams played Steve Spagnuolo's defense, right? Wow. So he obviously like has something in those moments. Um, Yeah, the first half, I thought the Chiefs were a little too vanilla. Second half, they just started bringing pressure from everywhere. And I think we saw that. Again, go back to the third. The film's not out yet. I wish it was that third down play. Like you had six to block six. And again, Brock Purdy's – the thing that's interesting about Purdy is that he is good when you bring pressure and block it up. He's not good when the pressure sort of gets to him, if that makes sense, right? Like when he's pressured per se, when he's moving a little bit. When he kind of gets, to your point, you've made it. I think it's a good point. That when he sort of gets hit a little bit, the ball flutters, right? But if you can bring pressure and block it up, his numbers are very good. And the Chiefs just found unique ways to not have that happen, right? Where they brought a guy who was free, brought a guy from here that was free. And again, going back to what I said, Brock Purdy is not a guy right now in this offense. And to be fair, I, I've never played Shanahan's offense. I do not know if this is the thing that they do or do not do in this offense, but he's not a big at the line of scrimmage. Okay. Well, we're supposed to slide left, but I think it's coming from the right. Let's go over here. Like, Mahomes does that, right? Mahomes is coming to the line of scrimmage. The Chiefs virtually don't have call protections. They do. Mahomes just decides where he wants the line to go every play. Like, that's he does. okay, well, let's go here. Like, okay, we're going here. Oh, we're going here today. We're going here. No, nope, we're going over there. That's not what Purdy does. And it's not, it's not a right or wrong thing, guy. Like, you can work both ways. It's not a big deal. But in this specific game, I thought he just fooled a couple times. And then, look. We we saw I think a little bit of limitations of the passing game against it's not fair two all pro corners, right? And Steena McDuffie. Like you know, there's not there's not a diverse pass menu that the Niners run. And eventually it's like, okay, they're running another dig. Let's, you know, like this is the seventh time they've run a dig in this game against man coverage. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna get in someone's way, you know, like I'm gonna figure it out. And that's sort of what happened. I thought in this game over time is the, the Chiefs' defense just sort of figured out where the receivers were going to be. And I thought, and again, like I thought, on the whole, Brock was okay. Like he wasn't bad. Was he like the best we've ever seen? No. <coughs> <Excuse me. coughs> I thought he was just good guy. He was just good. He was he was what he was, and that was uh, a good quarterback. But you know, obviously, you know, I think in those clutch situations, we saw Mahomes make two really good throws against zero pressure to get first downs. And, and Purdy didn't. And that's a big difference between them.
2: I, I, I got to put a stopwatch on it. It felt in Purdy's defense, Jeff, it felt like every Chiefs pressure got to him in half a second. And every time the Niners pressured, it took forever. And Mahomes well, well,
6: got to out. That's my point about like Mahomes doesn't get fooled anymore. You know, like he knows exactly where the pressure is coming from. And so he's just able to even, you know, just the running back gets. And there was one play where it looked like the back even tackled Fred Warner. And the, the the Rasheed Rice catch, uh, in yeah. uh, look like the running back tackle Warner there, but they're all blocked up right They're All and Niners just didn't have that. There were free runners everywhere at at, at Brock Purdy, and because I don't know, again, I haven't watched the film yet. I don't know if it's because Brock Purdy doesn't check, or the Niners had a good, the Chiefs had a good plan for their protections. But some of these, some of these more veteran quarterbacks, Brady, Manning, Breeze, you know, Mahomes, I think Burrow to an extent, they're just not getting. they're not getting fooled by as many pressures as Brock Purdy did yesterday.
2: Chiefs generated season-high nine on block pressures in the Super Bowl, all of which came on blitzes. Yeah,
6: I mean, they just, they just, and here's the thing, again, like when you have two corners that are all pro level, and obviously McDuffie made it, Sneed did not even know Sneed should have, you have the luxury of doing that, right? You can bring pressure and have two man-to-man corners behind it. Now, obviously, McDuffie is also a player who brings pressure as well because you have safeties you can cover. So they just have a very interchangeable defense, which is a lot of teams just don't have. Uh,
2: all right. Any, any other takes on the uh, – I told you 10, 15 minutes. Have you jump on here and break some down? Uh, no, I mean, I,
6: I, I thought it was a good game. I, I thought – you know, I, it's funny. I mean, Jawan Jennings is probably the MVP, right, like for a, a while. Guy until he wasn't.
2: Yeah, if the Niners won, I felt like Jawan was the MVP. I mean, you know, maybe – Maybe I've I've seen people suggest maybe Bosa becomes the MVP if the Niners win, but Jennings threw
6: and caught a touchdown. It's funny, you know. I, I gotta go, again, I have to go back and watch it. But everyone's talking about Bosa. I, I don't. The first half seemed to me like the like the Niners just covered the Chiefs really well. It wasn't like a, a pass rush winning immediately. It was no one open, which doesn't lead to sort of I, my I did not look at that game and think Bosa dominated like people have talked about. I thought Chris Jones dominated. I thought Trent McDuff- I thought Fred Warner. Like I thought Fred Warner was incredible in this game. Obviously, yeah. he, he kind of you know you get beat by Kelsey at the end. So be it. But Warner saved a touchdown on a screen. I mean, Warner was he was an incredible guy. Um, I, I didn't think Bosa stood out in the way that Warner or Chris Jones or Trent McDuffie to me stood out defensively. I got to go back and watch it to, to make sure. But I, people have said that I, I, I didn't get that sense watching the game live. What did you think of the
2: fourth down and one play in overtime? Mahomes keeps second time in the game. Bosa comes crashing down the line after the running back. Uh, You know, is that how much of that is on Bosa and how much of that is just, you're just going to get tricked? You just nothing Uh, you can do about that.
6: So it's a great question. I'm waiting for the film to come up because I'm going to package the three plays together. Right. So the the chiefs had the zone read where Mahomes kept it against man coverage, had the big gain, the fourth down play, which was actually a bootleg. It was, it was a, it wasn't a a RPO. It was a straight bootleg. It was a roll the edge, throw the ball, run the ball. So it's a run-pass option, but not in the traditional sense. And the touchdown, which was sort of, again, a zone read with the same sort of action. Mahomes kept the ball because on that touchdown, the influence of Mahomes keeping the ball twice brought Warner and the safety to him, and then McCole Harmon snuck out the backside. God, I watch every staff to choose to play this season. They haven't run this one time all season. Like, they had not run a zone read one time all season where Mahomes kept the ball and ran down the field. So, So Bosa has no reason to play zone read. Never, never, no reason to. He, he just runs that down, chases down the back from behind. So the chief, I thought, did a really good job of adjusting and, and calling plays they had not done all season. The bootleg, they've done a little bit. I'm not sure they've done it quite in that same way. They've done the the rollout right, where they roll Mahomes out with a, sort of that same action, but not where he fakes the handoff first. It's not Bosa's fault per se. I mean, they didn't shown that guy all season. I, I don't blame Bosa for for playing. But like they did.
2: But they they did keep it once earlier in the game. You were saying that, it was a different play. It was
6: the long run, yeah. Yeah. But still, I mean, but why would Bosa change what he did because of one play? You know, what I mean, like that's he comes down hard. The backers should scrape over the top if that happens. I, I'm not surprised that Bosa really didn't change um how he how he played that. I, that that to me is not it's more of a Chiefs like win more than like a Niners loss, if that makes sense
2: uh thomas has a question for you says mr schwartz should the niners pay purdy we've heard of the stats only three qbs have won a super bowl after losing it in their hall of famers now they can't you know they they don't have to do that now
6: um i mean i would man i don't know man i mean you're gonna pay him what 55 60 million dollars a year that's gonna be what you're gonna pay brock purdy i don't
2: I, i don't know i mean you get next season to see what happens you don't have to do anything now
6: yeah um this offense has had Jimmy G and Brock Purdy make a Super Bowl. I feel like you could get someone on a rookie deal, make a Super Bowl again, and not this have guy, to pay. I I, I know the <laughs>
2: results are the same. This guy's so much. I think he's, a he's, lot better than, he's, than, than
6: he's much better than Jimmy G. I'm, I'm with you 100. Um, but I think the question becomes, you know, that Trey Lance trade. There's some depth issues on the Niners. You know, they're not very deep. They're very, very top heavy. They have some, but like the, those, they're missing those. Some of those. Draft picks from that trade guy, I feel like, as we move forward, as some of their players get older, like they could have used a couple more first-round picks on you know to bolster some of these positions. Tim A says, uh, after the two-minute warning,
2: so the Niners fail on third and four, should have gone with a run on third and four and fourth down if necessary. Burn a Chiefs timeout kills the clock. Instead, incompletion there kills the team. Do you think they should have been in four-down territory in either one of those situations? 2 no. minute warning they and end up they, kicking the long they end up kicking the 53 yarder to take the
6: lead. No because you have to at that point the game is tied, right? Like you, you have to score. So you do everything in your yeah. power to score. You're less focused on the Chiefs and more focused on what you have to do.
2: End of regulation and and at that overtime both both times are tied, yeah. This
6: is this and this is why I think the overtime discussion is interesting because I don't never say take it, leave it, whatever. Take it or kick it, whatever. It, it doesn't matter. But Here's why it matters, guy. The Chiefs knew they had four downs to get 10 yards, and the Niners knew we're playing off of getting, you know, having three downs to get 10 yards. It's a big difference. The Chiefs always knew no matter what we did, we need second down, third down, fourth. We're going for it fourth down. And that's a different mindset. You play differently, you call different plays. That's why, in my opinion, I'd always take the ball second. Is you get four plays, get 10 yards. Niners, in theory, have three plays to get 10 yards. And I mean, look it's almost all moot maybe if they if that scene doesn't hold on third down and the Chiefs get the ball back immediately and just win the game and we probably don't even talk about it um in the way that it's been talked about today Um that was that was overtime right the third, the Sneed, uh holding call um yeah was a, that yeah. was very early in OT yeah and, and he, he held it was, like it was, it was third or third, and th- third, and third third and 13 yeah it was a holding call McDuffie. He, held, he, he held him. um so that that's my only point. Is it right or wrong? I don't know. I get his point. Rest our defense. I'm fine but with then, that idea. I am too. But it turned out that yeah. wasn't his point. His point was
2: we want the ball that the analytics crew they talked about it and they said we should we want the ball third, which to me does not take into account Mahomes and Andy who said after the game they were going to go for two. I know. I saw that. Yeah.
1: Um, so
2: yeah, I, I don't like that logic. We're going. We're going to get the ball third. Yeah, I don't like that logic. I don't either. So. That's All my right. thoughts, yeah. Uh, Jeff Schwartz is smarter than you. Is there a new episode yes. out? Yes. No, tomorrow. New episode out of uh, Jeff's podcast, Jeff yes. Schwartz is smarter than you. What's up with Bear Bets? What do you do now with that podcast?
6: I don't know. I'm the lowest on the totem pole, buddy. They'll just tell me when we're recording again.
2: Somebody said the Niners are the favorite again next year. Already. Yeah, they are.
6: Yeah, over the Chiefs. What do you think? I bet the Chiefs plus 750. I don't know why you <laughs> wouldn't.
2: <laughs> All right. Well. All right, buddy. Uh, Thanks for jumping in, Jeff. Talk appreciate to you him, later. Man. All right, have a good day. There goes Jeff Schwartz, uh, former NFL offensive lineman, and uh, I worked with him for a long time at SiriusXM. And uh, he's a big O-lineman guy, a uh, big guy and an O-lineman guy. Uh, he's on the voting panel for the Joe Moore Award that awards the uh, top offensive line in college football every year. And uh, appreciate him coming on to uh, break down O-line play and, and share some of his other takes. Jeff Schwartz is smarter than you, must listen. I, I love that pod, and Bear Bets his podcast with, uh, with bear from Fox sports, uh, great breakdown there. So, uh, appreciate that. A couple other things I wanted to hit. Um, it's now a time when you need leadership bad. Uh, I heard Lombardi say that Kyle use was walking around the locker room last night after the game, going up to every player talking about why he loved playing with them and how much he appreciated them. And, um, you know, I, I remember seeing Juice tear up at his locker after the Packer game, knowing how tough it is. He's talked about how hard it is to get back, how hard it is to get here, how hard it is to get here. And now they got to go through it again. And it takes a lot to put in that much work and fall short of your goal again. And to know that, you know, you don't get many chances like that. You don't have many teams like that. And and um, uh, it's it's uh, it's rare. And so now they've got to find a way to do it. Now, I do think the good news for them is that they're not doing it with the same quarterback they've done before who maybe they question. I think they do believe in the quarterback they have now. And I think it's going to be, you know, a lot of the story next year, or some of the story next year is going to be, what is the evolution of Brock, right? Not just as a player from a leadership standpoint. Now he's seeing more. Is he going to get more power at the line of scrimmage? Is he going to handle situation's a little bit better um, where he's got to bail Kyle out, right? This is what great players are there to do. They are there. The coach calls the play and then great players before the snap. And then once the ball is snap, have to figure out, do I need to make an adjustment to what the coach thinks is going to happen? Are we in the wrong thing? And do I need to fix this right now? And that's what Kyle needs. You know, we thought he was getting it in, in Trey Lance athleticism, but the brain of Brock Purdy is his superpower. It's one of his, it's one of his great strengths. And so um, they've got to be able to give him the strength, to give him the freedom to use that strength. And so this is his first offseason now, really, as a healthy player. And, uh, and you know, he's, he's got to grow. James asks, is he going to have a halfway decent offensive line? They've got to improve there. They do have to upgrade there. Going into year three of a guard rotation is probably not healthy with Spencer Burford. If he's not going to be a starting guard and he's not going to develop and take another step, then you might need to go find. No, you do need to go find a starting guard. and Let him be a backup guard. If it's John Feliciano or not, if it's John Feliciano, fine, but you just got to solidify your offensive line a little bit more. Good news is Trent Williams is coming back. The Drake Greenlaw injury is brutal. Will Dre Greenlaw ever be the same player again? You know, his, his aggressiveness, his athleticism, he's in his athletic prime, 26 years old. He'll turn 27 in May. You know, he, he probably had another year or two of his athletic prime. And much like Clay Thompson, he suffers a devastating injury in his prime. There will be two questions on Dre Greenlaw. One. How long will it be until he gets back from an Achilles? Will it be October? Will he be back next year at all? Will he get back at all? Two, when he comes back, how good of a player is he? Even if he gets back in October, I'm thinking about Michael Crabtree's Achilles injury. It took really another year to get him back up to speed, and he was less reliant on his speed and playmaking Um, than Navarro Bowman, Bowman, I just saw somebody posted Navarro, devastating like Bowman, than Dre Greenlaw. So he's a core part of your team. Um, He is a key, you know, Funga's got to come back healthy, but this guy's a key, he's one of the big keys to the whole thing, and um, and I just, you know, at this point you have to wonder, will he ever be the same player again? When he, will he come back? When will he come back? And when he does, will he will he be the same type of player? Who uh, and Jair Brown? How does that work as a safety combo? That'll be something. Um, that'll be something going into the season. But the emotion of not just losing the Super Bowl, but losing Dre Greenlaw—double whammy—and uh, it's a big, big, big off season for leadership and mental toughness and all the guys that you rely on finding a way to make sure that you don't have a hangover and a letdown. They always talk about the hangover for the champion. Well, the Chiefs have shown it doesn't happen to them. You know, did the Eagles have a hangover this year after they lost? No, I just think they weren't. They lost their coordinators They weren't as good. So uh, the Niners now, this is not about just losing a Super Bowl. I know there was only, whatever, nine guys total left over from the last one. But this organization wears it. Kittle wears it. Greenlaw. Uh, Warner wear it. Debo, Ayuk, wear it. Yeah, Not a lot of guys that are still around, but hell, it's their most important guys. So it's also very important that those guys uh, find a way to get everybody back on track. All right. I think that's that for that for this Monday. Appreciate you guys all being around throughout the football season. Going back to before the season, remember we started really hammering YouTube videos uh, in conjunction with the podcast back last camp. And um, you've helped the channel grow and the podcast grow. And I'm very appreciative for that. And uh, I know it's, uh, um, uh, speaking of leadership, I know it's a tough time for you now, but uh, I hope you uh, keep coming around because uh, that's essential for uh, this to continue. So uh, hit that like button. Subscribe to the channel, share it with somebody, and uh, really appreciate that. And um, we'll be, uh, you know, we'll be talking soon. Tomorrow, we'll be back. We, I'm not, this is not, uh, yeah, this is not it for today. I mean, it's it for today probably, but it's not it, it. So, um, appreciate y'all. Talk to you soon. Later.
5: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum.